Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So back in actually the spring of last year, uh, we came across this study, a nutritional study uh, that was that was pretty unique in that it was looking at uh, the uh, the effect that uh, eating foods had on different people's oh, blood sugar levels and fat levels and what have you. So uh, they, these researchers were kind of uh, looking at the, the wide variations in how people responded to kind of similar meals, basically. Right. Um, and that study was called PREDICT-1. There was a, there's a PREDICT-2 that we're going to talk about today. Um, and, and we talked about that uh, back in the spring of last year, so 2019, uh, uh, in episode, uh, I think it was 14. Um, and that, um, so that study, just to reacquaint people, it looked at a thousand uh, people in the United Kingdom and a hundred U.S. adults. Um, a bunch of twins, uh, like sixty percent of the tw- of, uh, of the U.K. population were twins. Studied them for two weeks with continuous uh, blood sugar monitoring um, and uh, and a standardized uh, uh, diet and freely chosen foods, but or meals, but um, you know you had to record what you ate. Uh, and again, the, the maybe not so surprising result was that there's a wide variation in the blood responses to similar meals, regardless of whether it was carbohydrates or fat, and um, a big difference between twins even. So um, one of the interesting things I thought was that, um, that uh, genetic factors explained like less than 50% uh, of the differences in responses to glucose and less than 30% for insulin and less than 20% for um, triglycerides or fats. Um, so so th- most studies, most identical twin studies will kind of show that there's, I mean, their, their genetic makeup is identical. So you would think that the way they process different, um, different macros would be very similar. Um, but I guess what this is kind of highlighting is that the in the nature and nurture, there's a lot of kind of environmental um, factors that play a role. Because if it comes down to just the genes, those identical twins are exactly the same. Exactly the same. Right. And and, and part of it may be, um, because this is definitely con- uh, influenced by our environment and what we eat, what have you, is that um, those identical twins, they... they uh, check their their gut uh, microbiome and only 37 percent there was only 37 percent or so match um so 
which was only slightly higher than 35% shared between unrelated individuals. Right. So that, that gen- genetics um, has almost nothing to, to, or has almost, almost no influence over our gut biome. Right. It's kind of which isn't surprising. Well, and I think, you know, the thing, there are things we know do have an impact, um, at least from birth, which could be different in, you know, person to person than even identical twin to identical twin, um, like a vaginal birth, birth versus cesarean birth, formula fed versus breastfed, and how early the first antibiotic use was, how often kid has had antibiotics, and then general diet, you know, as time goes on. All kinds of factors play a role in in the actual gut biome. Right, right. Um, so this we should mention that that Predict One study was um, partly funded by this company called Zoe or Zoe. I still don't know. It's Z O E, um, which is trying to or working on developing an app or was was working on back uh, let's say over a year ago now uh, developing an app. Um, obviously, that uh, for, for a commercial venture related to uh, nutritional uh, nutrition and health, um, and, but it was also um, uh, done in conjunction with um, I think Mass General Hospital, and that one might have included uh, I think a, a uh, UK uh, kind of, uh, res- uh, not research but a university. Um, right. So, and like I said, we, we talked about that last year and that, so uh, following up on, on that, I, I, um, found out that they were doing another study to, um, kind of further investigate, um, these, uh, th- this issue of how different people respond to food intake. So I applied and, and joined and was accepted. And in episode 20 last year, we talked about the, uh, the experience I was going through as a study participant. It's the first time I had ever done that. So, and I forget, I must ask you at the time, but have you ever been a participant in a scientific study? Yeah, you did ask me. And no, <laughs> I have not. I think like via surveys maybe, but not really. Not a clinical, you know, kind of study no. like that. So it was it was pretty interesting because, um, as you recall, they they send you um, certain foods that you've got to eat. They also what what I thought was one of the cooler things was sent me a continuous glucose monitor. So mm-hmm. this little device you stick in your upper uh, back, of your upper arm, and it continuously monitors your glucose um, as opposed to sticking yourself with a. a, a the pin and, and taking that little blood sample. Um, they also, um, did some blood sampling, um, as as well. So you had to, you did have to prick your finger and then, and then provide that, that blood sampling. Um, and just, you know, again, provide a food log on when you were eating things that, that they hadn't provided. Um, they did, we did, I remember we went through like two, um, what do they call it? Glucose tolerance tests. Yeah, we got to drink a bunch of that that um, kind of uh, water suspended glucose. That was that, yeah. That yeah. wasn't really fun. That stuff was nasty. Yeah. So and yeah. and you know, same my, kind of thing is with like a, when you're pregnant and you have to get your um, check for gestational diabetes. It's like a little, um, I don't know, maybe it's like a pint of syrupy liquid. And then check your glucose, like at, at least for 
when you're doing it to check for gestational diabetes, it's usually like an hour after. Um, but I think for you, they checked it twice, right? Like an hour and then two hours Actually, after? One, at, at one hour, two hours and three hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was 11 days. Um, for eight of those days, we were given set meals. We all, I also provided a stool sample. Um, so that's the way they check your gut, gut your gut biome. Um, and, um, and then a, a, they did a questionnaire at the end. And then I had to go to um, Quest Diagnostics at the end to get a fasting blood test a, as well. So that, that was all done. Um, and I've been waiting for the results ever since. So that was what, I did that in what, late summer last year, I wanna say. Yeah. Been. Did you ever um, follow up and ask them? Well, I would get, like, where are my I would get notices from them. And then uh, I got one in like, I don't know, late March saying, oh, this COVID thing has kind of set us back a little bit. Um, yeah. But finally, the results are in um, <laughs> almost, almost a year later. Um, and what they did was they, they sent me the results divided into three sections. Um, how well I control my blood sugar, how well I control blood fats and my overall gut health. My overall gut health. Yeah. Um, and um, the, um, the, and, and the information that they provided indicates that their research shows that, and, and there's more research they're, gonna, they're going to publish. Obviously, they're going to publish the results of this PREDICT-2, but then I think there are some other papers that are coming out of this, this study, or maybe that's, that's included in the PREDICT-2 paper. But at any rate, um, they, so they claim that, um, the, that blood sugar levels and blood fat levels are related to your ri risk of inflammation. Um, which, I, you know, I guess we just take as kind of a fact that inflammation in our systems is a bad thing. They're saying that everyone's, not just yours. Right, right. Everyone's blood sugar and blood yeah, fat yeah. Um, levels impact inflammation levels and, and presumably lower inflammation is just a good thing, right? I mean, is that, yes. that yeah. kind of is, is, is a, a given. Um, and yes. then gut health is correlated with uh, your immune system functions, brain function, how you break down food and, and all kinds of other things, I guess um, they're, right. they're finding out. So obviously there's been a lot of, of research. Um, so first we'll, we'll go over my results. Um, I want to get your take on, on this. Um, so in terms of blood sugar control, obviously this is, this is how blood glucose levels respond to the food we eat. Um, and because typically when we eat food, particularly with, with carbohydrates uh, in it um, and, and um, or foods with that, let's say a high glycemic index, um, which, which by definition kind of spike blood glucose levels, your blood glucose levels rise and then over time they fall. And what you want is that kind of wave that, that, um, that graph because because you can graph the the, the results um, to be um, kind of a, have a have a shallow rise and a shallow dip let's say so right. not a big spike and not a big crash right um, and kind of the only way you can figure that out is is through a, a continuous glucose monitor right I mean it's I guess you could perk you or directly measuring insulin but yeah which is tough not 
Uh, yeah, that's not very feasible. Yeah, so it's just constantly monitoring how much your blood, like how much glucose or sugar is in your blood constantly because that's a indirect marker of insulin levels. You know, if, if, if you're a person that is your blood sugar spiking or and then crashing, is that necessarily a indicator that you have a metabolic disorder or prone to diabetes or have diabetes? Um, it's generally just the high blood sugar. Um, that is the marker of mortality, morbidity, or diabetes. Um, lower blood sugars, I mean, is more ideal to have lower blood sugars, not dangerously low. Um, and ups and downs will, in and of itself, tell you that people are having too high of highs. Um, so I think that's the bigger thing. Um, and when it comes to diabetes, it's strictly a measure of having high blood and consistently high blood it's, sugar uh, and consistently high. Right. Cause if you just like spike and then it comes down, let's say it spikes for, this is just like theoretical, 10, 10% of your day, it's super high, but the rest of it, it's low. Yep. Your average is going to be low. Cause that's like your A1C is the measure that we generally now today's standard for diabetes, check your A1C. Um, and that's a three month average essentially of your blood glucose levels. So it isn't, it's, it's all about the long, you know, the longer term, you still want to be able to maintain, um, pretty modest glucose levels, even when you're not fasting or, um, eating just like a normal healthy diet, you still want to be able to ideally see your blood sugars not jump up because that's tells you how well your insulin's working. Exactly. Exactly. If you're becoming resistant to your insulin or not, you know, there's not enough insulin or whatever it is, then your blood sugars are going to be higher. Right. And then you, and that is either pre-diabetic and as it, as it continues, then you get to be diabetic. Um, right. But, and, and obviously, you know, we, we know all kinds of um, uh, things about how high bl- blood sugar levels are just bad for your organs and including your eyes and, right. and brain yep. and all that sort of thing. So, so to be, be able to, to, so to be at a point where you're, you're managing that well, um, not having those spikes. Um, and then the troughs I've, I've um, you know, I've, I've heard associated um, um, kind of from a negative perspective with you, if you're, if you're kind of crashing, you're, you, you kind of get hungry uh, and, uh, or you, you crave food. That, right. So right. that's what I say. Like the, sugar, sugar crash, you know, if you eat, if you feed a kid chocolate, you know, then they're super hyper because their blood sugar spikes, but then they quote unquote crash yep. um, because right. then it drops so low and that, you know, it's, it's not really as dramatic as it sounds, but you, but you do when it, when it's low, that's a, it, it kind of signals um, the hunger hormone. So you feel hungry and, and usually then you eat more. Eat more. So, so, Get to getting to my results. Uh, so with no more buildup. So my results on a, uh, on a scale of zero to a hundred, I scored a hundred, <laughs> which is ra- rather amazing. Uh, I'm not I'm not perfect in any aspect of my life except my ability to metabolize my blood sugar. <laughs> Apparently, according to according to Predict Two. That's interesting too. What exactly were they measuring it? Well, like, what does that, what is it? It's just your ability to process 
the blood sugar? Yeah, I guess. I mean, but you know, because they're yeah, that's 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 what it that's what it said is your your my blood sugar control is about as good as it gets. Oh, so that's 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 pretty happy news. I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, it did come with a caveat. It said, however, for most people, blood sugar control will deteriorate as you age. Now, I'm I'm not old. I get well. It's, everything's relative, so but but I'm getting there. So I guess I can't uh, I can't just continue to eat desserts every night and figure I, I will have never have any problems. I wonder if it did it tell you your A1C level? No, did not. Um, but you know, it's interesting. Um, I'll we'll follow up. Um, I'm getting a physical in another within the month. So. And that will test um, A1C amongst yeah. other things. So we'll, let's let we'll see if that correlates with this. Yep. Um, but um, but but you know I've never had my uh, when I've had blood sugar tests with with my previous physicals I've always they're always well within the tolerable ranges. Um, mm-hmm. So um, well it wasn't it didn't surprise me that I, I had good blood sugar control. I didn't think I had you know that good. So now, now yeah. that's the good news. So we said they, they tested three things. So now from the not so good news, um, blood fat control. So this is how our blood fat levels respond to food as we, uh, th- that we eat. Um, and according to, again, the predict two scientists, um, they say they discovered that certain foods release fats that circulate in the blood for longer than others. They didn't say which ones, um, but they did say on average, it takes about six hours for blood fats to clear after a meal. Um, and presumably like blood sugar, if you if you clear that fat faster, it's better for your health, um, less inflammation, uh, et cetera. Right. My results here, again, on a zero to 100 scale, we're only at 26. Hmm. That's crazy. No. And I wonder if, if these, you know, the zero to hundred uh, reflects a, a percentile of the study participants. So, so basically, you know, 74% of folks had better blood fat right. clearance than I did. Uh, right. So that's, I wonder what, yeah. what that your result actually means. Um, now I am um, prone. I have, you know, hypercholesterolemia. So I have high cholesterol. That's controlled with a low dose statin um right so you think that's related oh yeah Yeah. um because there's a lot of genetic components to someone's cholesterol levels like you could be a marathon runner with the cleanest diet and still need to be on statin so um that i'm sure has something to do with it so you just your body holds on to its fats and saturated fats whereas someone else's can usually get rid of it right probably variations in certain enzymes yeah and and so uh, you know in the recommendations around what foods i should eat yeah they they specifically said lay off the animal meats the the meats basically lay Mm -hmm. off um things like sausage and and prepared meats as well so you know that that no no surprise there but but you know having this kind of data does kind of I don't know if empower is the right word, but it it it, it gets it on my radar and, and I'm more more right. likely to to make some changes. And it but it does kind of bring out, you know, obviously 
I wouldn't have these insights if I hadn't participated in this study. So right. for the normal person, it's, you know, again, I, it, we almost go back to the, you know, the, the basics of, you know, eat less red meat and less processed mm -hmm. meats and whatever. Well, and the, but the person next to you, it might be the opposite. That is true. They may, they may be predisposed because of their not only genetics, gut biome, et cetera, to be able to handle fats better than, than right. I do. Yep. That makes, makes sense. Um, so certainly something for me to watch. And, and again, when I get my um, physical, um, I'll be watching those those um, uh, blood fat levels as well to see, you know, uh, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, if if high levels of blood fat are a marker for inflammation and inflammation is related to, you know, cardiovascular disease, amongst other things, that's that's certainly a risk factor I'm going to I want to be aware of. Right. Um, again, and given family history and all that, that sort of thing. So um, the the third thing um, they, they, they gave me feedback on was my gut health. So obviously a lot has been studied and written lately about the importance of microbes within our digestive tract. And I, I did a little, re actually, I didn't do some research. They, they, they gave me this information along with my results. So did you know there are more bacteria in our microbiome than there are cells in our bodies? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd heard that somewhere. somewhere along the way. Did you realize, did you, did you ever realize that there are 30 trillion cells in our bodies? Well, I'm wondering how they are accounting for all of those cells. <laughs> one by one. <laughs> who's, who's counting those? Who knows? Those? Who knows? Um, it, but it's, it, it, hey, it, it was... Um, it was in this information, so it's got to be true. That's why. <laughs> um, and they say there are about 100 times more genes within those bacteria than in our own cells. Um, and Ian, final, final fun fact here about our gut biome is that all that ba bacteria in and of itself would weigh about half a pound. Which I thought which isn't, wasn't yeah, as much as, very as I thought. Yeah. Right. Um, so um, the study claims um, that they've discovered, or the scientists claim they've discovered new connections between our microbiome, diet, and metabolism. Um, and this is, you know, we'll, we'll, when this paper comes out, we'll, we'll probably have a podcast around it. Presumably this will be some interesting stuff. But um, their research has kind of identified 30 different types of bacteria found in our microbiome. 15 good bugs, they call them, and 15 bad bugs. So again, I, on a scale of one to 100, my score was a whopping 19. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> <laughs> this one is probably the one that I would question the most um not that it's not valid i'm i'm sure that it's very much valid and it is tied to um our health in a lot of ways but probably the um we know the least about it right right it's it's definitely an evolving uh kind of yeah. area um but um but but you know I, this is the one that i i think i was more surprised by the the blood fat control levels than i was for this because I kind of intuitively know I don't eat enough fruits and vegetables, raw fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. which presumably where you get that. I, you know, um, the other thing, like I don't eat kimchi or sauerkraut that would, that would 
kind of, I sometimes eat sauerkraut, but not often. Um, I, yeah. I do eat yogurt regularly. So I get some good stuff there, I assume. Um, yeah. But uh, so let me give you some examples. So they, 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 they've given these bugs names because they're, 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 uh, scientific names are, are tough to pronounce. But so here's some examples of good bugs. One they call Ellie, which is Eubacterium elegans. I had none of this good bug, Ellie. The predict participants on average, it made up 1.3% of their gut biome and almost 90% mm -hmm. of participants have some. So I'm definitely an outlier in having none of right. Ellie. <laughs> um, the one bug, I think, good bug, I think I had more than the average was one they call Rohan, which is Roseburia hominis. I had 0.46% um, and the predict participants on average had 0.31%. Uh, but but okay. most people, 93% have some. I just had kind of 50%, almost 50% more than the average. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So now for the bad bugs. Um, the bobby bug, Blautia obium, I had one and a half percent, one point five four percent of my gut biome was this bobby bad bug, and the typical predict participant had one point one two percent, and almost all participants have some. So I had significantly over the one bad bug that I was under on. They call Ronald, Roseburia in a, in Olinverans. I had almost none, 0.03%. And the typical participant had 0.53%. But almost everyone has some. I just had very little. Hmm. So, and so I'm going to go out on a limb and guess. Do you ever have, well, I'll ask you the question. Do you ever test? the gut biome of your patients and you know in your practice no, no. it's just no. not done um, no it's not done so do you ever do you, do you think you ever will as part of a you know a, a, a annual physical only if it becomes something that's you know relatively easy to do and has some clear data behind it um or if they're because if they're if they have like i don't know a gastrointestinal issue crone. but you could also just say regardless eat things and take probiotics or prebiotics and you know to improve your gut biome yep. Yep. you know regardless yep. of what your specific results are again that's why i say that though these specifics around the gut biome we know it plays a role in things but we haven't ironed out exactly you know, the what? specifics so probably you know testing it if it's not going to change what we do and if we still recommend, you know, maybe taking a probiotic or avoiding certain things that um, are bad for your gut biome, if, it, if it's not going to change recommendations, then I'm not sure. Like what, so what will you change based on that information? Uh, well, that's the question. you're right. Um, well, that, that's a, that, that is the $64,000 question. And so back to this Zoe app. Um, the, so, the, um, you know, along with my results, I got free access to this app. And what the app is, is purported to show me is the exact foods that I should eat for 
my gut biome, my um, blood for better gut biome and better blood fat control. Cause obviously my, my blood sugar control is great. So, and it, and it scores those foods on a personalized level. So let's say, you know, for me, celery might be a 95, but for you, it might be a 92. Mm-hmm. So that that's, as I understand it, that's the claim of this app. And, and the goal is to, you know, record the foods you eat and it will, it will give you some kind of sample menus based upon, again, my, all of my information that was fed into it. Uh, so give you some sample menus, but if, if you input all the food you eat, it'll give you like a daily score, the average of all those foods. And the goal was to keep that score at 75 or higher. I don't know why they randomly kind of picked 75 mm-hmm. as the, as the magic number there. Um, but so I had kind of, I had, then they asked you, Oh, do you want to start? Cause they, they, they want to see, you know, they want to check your adherence to it and see how you're doing and kind of the, the post study uh, information. They, they, they still would like you to kind of stay engaged. So, I had to pick a date that I would start this. First, I'd, I'd, I'd tell them, you know, would I participate in this process with this Zoe app or not? And I said, yes. So I, I picked a date, I think it was a week or two ago. Um, and I failed miserably. To, to, I, yeah. I haven't, I haven't uh, you know, uh, inputted almost anything. So um, uh, it's tough. Yeah, it is. I don't, so I don't think to follow. I'll, I mean, I'm not making a judgment on the, on the Zoe app necessarily. I mean, it's, it's potentially pretty cool information, pretty actionable. Um, yeah. But it takes a level of commitment that right now I don't have. Um, although the generalized kind of messages back to me, I think were useful and, and may actually change some behaviors. Right. Yep. Yep. So it might change your day-to-day diet um, and some choices that you make there, um, yep. which is help definitely helpful. Yep. yep. But I will have to say um, I'm going to have a little sausage tonight for, for dinner. So. <laughs> so not changing things too much Amongst other things now. No, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. But so at any rate, um, you know, I, I, as we often do, we kind of go back to basics. Uh, I'm going to eat more fruits and vegetables, or I'm going to try to unless meat, um, and presumably I'll be healthier for it as would most people <laughs> be. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I, I don't think this is the last time we talked about, uh, the, uh, the predict study and Zoe and what have you, but, um, but it was good, good to get the results and, and it'll be good to kind of correlate them against my physical. So at any rate, well, thanks, Nicole. Great talking to you. Yes. And uh, very interesting. I will uh, let you get back to life. All right. Hey, thanks. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com. That's spelled T H E D R A N D D A D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now the legal disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes 
is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.